Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, hey everybody, welcome to this special episode of The Wire Strips. I'm Kobe. I'm Dave. And we have a couple of other special people joining us today. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm T-Bone. And I'm Obi. <laughs> producer Tom and producer Obi are joining us here. That's how special it is. Um, it's the whole Wire Strip crew. It is, it is. Together and on audio for the first time. It's true. True. Hopefully, it doesn't take something like this momentous occasion to to get us together uh, on a Zoom screen again. Um, but I don't know, guys. Do you want to say what the, this this occasion was? It's bringing us together. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, it's the very sad um, uh, circumstances around the death of uh, uh, Michael K. Williams, who, uh, as everybody will know, famously portrayed Omar Little uh, yeah. in The Wire. So we thought we'd. Uh, well, look, we, we were all a bit, as everybody else was, a bit just taken aback by this this news uh, uh tragic event and uh it's been a few days and we thought we'd uh, we, we thought it'd be worthwhile just jumping on and uh, honoring um him a little bit paying tribute to, to him and his work uh in in the in the wire mostly and, and just beyond so um so yeah. here we are i mean we we all heard a few days ago as this goes out his his passing in the news and it's one of those things every time you when these people pass, they've been a part of your life in some way. I I read the the headline like twenty times just to, you know, I get the you get this you get the headline. Michael K. Williams found, and I'm like, hopefully, it doesn't say the next word. I hope that it I, I, is leading to, and inevitably it does. And it's always gutting when you do read it, and you know, reread it, and then check other links, and it's like, yeah, it's true. He's he's passed away, passed away by himself. Um, circumstances aren't fully fully um come to light as we record this um we're not in the news business um but i think it's worth just saying a few notes about that uh, i guess tom you you had a, f- a few words that you wanted to say at this point yeah i mean i mean we don't know what happened um you know people have said that drugs were involved or have been involved but you know that's often that can just be an assumption can't it i don't know if that's come from an authority but um I, for me the big the big thing about it is as you mentioned Kobe like just a, a man dying alone you know and that is for me no matter what the circumstances it's just I, th- I just find that so heartbreaking and mm. um whether it's just suicide or misadventure and I and I, and I say I think I think both of those things are two sides of the same coin I think you know you don't go so far with that misadventure if you're not 
chasing oblivion if you're not willing to you know to risk losing your life um you know you can you can sort of see there's a people don't value that when people go that far they don't value their lives as much i mean listen i might be speaking out of turn and it might turn out that this was just just an accident but that's the sort of thing that it brings up in me you know i'm i'm a person myself who has had suicidal thoughts i don't you know i don't think i'll ever you know take action on those thoughts you know i've got a family and i've got people that i love to keep to keep me going but you know life does get on top of you particularly mm. in a the last two years you know my my problems have just been exacerbated in the last two years and that's because of being you know cut off from people you know not doing not having my normal life my normal freedoms and not doing doing things you know socially and you, you'd lose that that nourishment so it's just I'm, listen i was i was hit so hard by this it's it brought up a lot of feelings it's t- it's incredibly sad but more so than with other people you know you can you, we, we are bombarded by headlines at the moment it feels like you know we were talking i work in music and um you know charlie watts passed away and that was one that mm. was a, a a big one for us because you know I've, I've um i've met with a couple of the rolling stones we've, we've, we've i've done a couple of interviews with people like keith and, and ronnie and stuff so that was quite close but michael k williams was just some of them are closer than others and and this one felt is, incredibly it? close it's what is one of those, and obviously we have a a, a a podcast about the wire so it was, it was bound to hit us harder than others but in the few years in the past 10 15 years um you know whitney houston philip seymour hoffman um yeah, sorry people the, you might have played the joker in in batman um heath ledger, ledger. Yeah. Heath ledger. so this this is a story we hope um we don't hear Robin Williams was a, was a huge one for me. Oh. Um, I mean, Caroline Flack. I mean, some of us here would yeah. probably have worked with Caroline. I would have thought, you know. So um, obviously, we're not going to labour the point too much. But guys, if you are in a position uh, where you're feeling kind of alone, do reach out to someone um, because it's important. It's important to, to speak to one. It's important to get friends around you, get hugs. Tom's moving to Nottingham um, because that's how that's how. <laughs> have, you ever, I mean, have, you, have you ever moved to Nottingham? I mean, Nottingham is like basically they, they call it the city of hugs. That's what it's known. As. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, actually, that's I mean, that's a nice pivot. Actually, we should probably pivot because this is actually going to be an uplifting episode as well. We, yeah. we you know, we do. We are going to share our highlights of Mark Kelly's career uh, in the wire and outside the wire. I think one of the sad things, though, guys, is he was always a dream guest of ours as mm. well. Um, you know, I mean, and he was totally a dream is. guest, wasn't he? And we, you know, we always top the list every series, and now you know that will never happen. And I, f- and I find that just so sad. It's one of the things that it was like a oh, that's a bit selfish, but also it's like oh for fuck. But mm. yeah, it is. It is true. Um, but I think we should we should go into you know some of his some of the pieces of work that we love of his. Obi, we don't hear you so much on the show, so it'll be good for you to start out. Where where do you like? Um, where have you experienced MKW outside of the wire? Uh, I, I, I thought I was going to choose like a really big piece, but actually I was going to choose something that happened last week because we've been we've been rewatching The Sopranos. Um, mm, yes, and there's, there's the episode where Jackie Aprio runs away to go and hide in the hood. Uh, so he knocks on the door, and it opens, and it's just it's it's Omar there standing in front of you, and he's like, <laughs> it's not it's like the really cheeky Omar. He's like got the really cheeky smile, and it's the deep the deep smooth voice and he's like yeah come and stay i think he says come and stay at the boonton holiday inn um and uh, you know it's not i guess it's not probably wasn't a role of like much significance to him but i think we me and my wife sat there watching we're just kind of like wow it's it's omar again and i think 
I don't know. It's kind of sad. No matter what he'll do, that that character will be linked to him. But I, yeah. I think that's that's important too. It was just such a, a special role, and it's it's always feels like a a celebration when you see him in anything. So even though it was just like a one minute role, it it, it felt kind of like meeting an old friend and uh, yeah. Where does that sit in his career? I, I try to think be- when it before, is. It's before it was, the wire. Yeah, it's before the wire. Yeah, definitely. So it's a good like just you know take a role, take a line, get seen sort of. It but, was, but, much, but, I think, but in, you know, to be in The Sopranos and The Wire, and then Boardwalk Empire as well. We're talking about great series. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty great career, isn't it? Well, I mean, tell, tell us about Chalky White then, Tom, and, and Boardwalk Empire. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I, I actually, um, I mean, Chalky White is a, just a, a fantastic character in Boardwalk. I, I loved Boardwalk Empire, um, and Chalky's probably one of the best characters in it. But actually, one of the series I'd, I'd, I've watched him in recently, and he's brilliant in it. And he sadly he's only in it for three episodes. Is Community. And I forgot that he appears in Community. And also, I still don't really know why he appears in Community. <laughs> like, it was it was great, I, though. I did rewatch a Community recently, and, and when he came in, I was, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, fucking hell, Omar's in this. <laughs> yeah. And he has this, like, weird bit where he's like, guys, what happened to Lego? It used to be, like, really simple, but now it's, like, really complicated. So what happened to it? <laughs> and everyone, like, they're all, like, stone-faced, you know, and it's like, you know, Lego. Lego guys, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah. That that was the one I was going to mention as well. The Michael K. Williams in Community, was <laughs> such a weird bit of casting, but it really worked. And and it's he's in one of my favorite episodes, which is the Law and Order one about yes. uh, trying to crack who who killed the plant, the potato plant. The potato plant yes. Yeah, yeah. And th- what's so good about him in that is the same reason why like Leslie Nielsen worked in. Or airplane yes. it's he's playing it he's straight so straight he's so deadpan and he's kind of doing the same intimidating sort of character that he kind of all like he always brought an edge to all his characters right he was kind of a bit scary mm. like in 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 most of his characters there was um uh, there was a darkness to him and and that in a comedy role was just perfect for some reason um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for. Uh, he played a character called Bobby McRae in uh, a dramatization of the Central Park um, drama when they see as as, as directed by Ava DuVernay, and he played one of the characters' main uh, one of the characters' dads, um, Antron McRae. Yes, so he played Antron Antron McRae's dad, um, and. The story of the Central Park Five is such a dark story, and obviously ties in a lot with, um, I guess, Black Lives Matter. Now, where you had five kids who were just happened to be in Central Park, but then the police fitted them up for the, the rape and murder murder of a, of a of a young lady, and they were completely innocent of it. And he plays one of their dads, and he's just a he's a, a tour de force in that. Yeah. And then there's an he I see I saw a doc I saw a an interview with Oprah and Ava DuVernay and Michael K Williams, uh, in that afterwards it's also also on netflix it's all on netflix by the way and he was just great talking about you know the circumstances that lead up to to those kind of uh fit-ups with the police saying he was a victim of wiling himself which is um how he got his scar on his face and um it's just such a powerful powerful documentary not as light as community obviously but i think um that's kind of thing that he could bring he could he could do the light he could do also the um the the super serious dark side of things as well 
I'm interested. This has made me look through his sort of filmography and stuff. And uh, there's, I've actually, I was saying to you before we came on air, this this week, I'm struggling to like keep on top of pop culture. So I'm going to watch like three films this week. I'm going to make sort of set time to watch them. And one of the ones I pulled out, um, just purely by coincidence, is there was a Beastie Boys documentary from a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's on Apple, isn't it? It is. And Michael K. Williams is in it. And he plays Bob Dylan. And I don't know how that's done, and if it, but so um, you know, I've got that on the agenda uh, for, <laughs> well, for this know. week. I will. Let us know. I will let you know. Um, he's got it's an extraordinary career. I mean, actually, you know, TV-wise, I mean, he's appeared in some of the, the big, all the powerhouse US ones. We've mentioned The Wire and Sopranos, board, Boardwalk, but he's done the you know the uh, the CSNY or whatever it's called, those sort of things, uh, CSI New York, whatever. He's done all those. Um, film-wise, though, like. Like, there's a lot of films that I haven't seen him in. I mean, I should have seen 12 Years a Slave. So one of you must be able to speak about that, guys, surely. Yeah, he plays a character on who's taken on a boat um, with Chiwetel Ejiofor's character. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a small scene of him. And I think that kind of typifies his film career. He hasn't really struck big in films. He's played a lot of smaller characters and it's always a pleasure to see him um, in them. Uh, and this is another small, impactful character as well that uh, Samuel Northrup, I think it is, um, meets along the way, you know, as, as just after he's been kidnapped. So, yeah, it's small and powerful, <laughs> I guess. I, I just wanted to mention, um, there's uh, Lovecraft County on yeah. um, I'm not seen that Am- yet. Amazon. Yeah, we've just started watching it, and he's, he's uh, fantastic in that as well. It's, it's strange, like, he kind of feels like he's been in these great um, sort of black... TV and and cinema, like he's just mm. he's just kind of a constant force uh, everywhere. Yeah. I want to watch that. Yeah. I, it's good. It's dark, but it's it's good. <laughs> I think to yeah uh, to a point that Kobe made there that he you know he he kind of appeared a lot in relatively minor roles like and, and that's that's kind of what Philip Seymour Hoffman was really good at as well. Mm. Is that character actor type where they were rarely leads, but they kind of often stole the show right because yeah, I, there was something just so charismatic and engaging about both of them i can remember actually literally experiencing it like that when he turns up in the road you know when he just yeah. he's, he's so barely in the road and um they just use him just i think they use him because they know exactly what he brings with him you know just for that you know a lot of people would have seen the wire and, and just brought a lot of emotions and thoughts with them just to imprint on that character straight away do you know what I mean like um, yeah but you just talk about 12 Years a Slave though and you're talking about you know um, the sort of black TV that he's been in we're going to talk about key scenes in The Wire that he Mm. featured in and I was watching your guy's selections last night and I think one of the ones we're going to talk about is probably the the best scene on TV between two black actors of all time arguably two actors of all time it's just one of the most incredible scenes so should we do is that, it? Is that the is that the is that the face-off scene? Well, let's let's do it. Let's do well, it. Sure. Let's let's go into that. So we we, we each um, chose our favorite one of our favorite Omar scenes um, for this, and we're going to go through these in order, and then we'll talk about a few other scenes we haven't um, picked up between us. I think Tom's probably talking about the scene um, between Omar and Brother Muzon. Uh, season season three, we talked about this uh, in a recent. I'm actually, I'm actually not, but that is oh, another. No. That is another one. Go on, go. Who, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Omar and Bunk? Omar and Bunk. Omar and Bunk. Omar and Bunk. And you know, yeah. and I think um, you know, Wendell Pierce has been. I don't know if you've 
read anything that Wendell Pierce has said. I'll see him on Twitter and stuff. I think we probably Who's must have. Who's seen this, by the way? What's that? I don't know if anyone's liked it. I just watched it. I, ended up, I must. Have, it maybe it just clicked on automatically on YouTube last night. I think, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> but listen, we'll chuck it in there because me, me and my wife watched it, and we were just like, "That is pure hmm. Shakespearean brilliance." Yeah. And it's the, so it's the scene with Bunk and Omar, and it's just it's set up a little bit like a western where they meet because they're the only two guys in town apparently. Like it's just an empty <laughs> what looks like a railway station those two guys on a bench. Now, listen, I haven't seen The Wire as much as you guys. What's the context of that meeting? I can't remember. What led to it? Uh, so, uh, Bunk is looking for a gun. I think that's it, isn't it? That's and, right, yes. Uh, and Omar is a, a kind of, he's a, a breadcrumb on his on his trail and he kind of refuses to cooperate. That's right. Because yeah. Bunk is putting pressure on him to cooperate and saying he'll turn one of the, the girls in the stick-up crew. But it's just one of the most incredible scenes. So we haven't selected it, but you guys go and watch it after this. And um, throughout the whole thing, um, he's, he's almost basically getting lectured. And he looks, he, it's all in the face. So he's getting lectured, he, but he, sand, he sits the whole, whole scene. He very rarely looks at Wendell Pierce, if at all. And he's getting admonished and it's almost sort of parental when they're talking about how they grew up in the same area and they've gone their different paths, but they talked about this sort of the old sort of um, rules of that, of when they grew up in that time, sort of the, sort of the code. But Wendell Pierce absolutely goes to bunk, goes to, goes to town on him. And you don't know if it's cutting through. And then there's this, be- as it ends, like there's just this beautiful ambiguity to it. So Omar sort of ends with Omar just looking forward and he's glassy-eyed, or is he not glassy-eyed? Has that cut him, or has it not cut him? It's an incredible reaction without saying anything. And I just thought, and the way the scene is blocked, the way it's set up, two people, one of them stationary, while the other one moves around. It's like, and the language, and the the cadence in the language, the rhythm to it, it's just like Shakespeare. And it's just, it was just great. It was so good. We had some bad boys for real. It wasn't about guns so much as knowing what to do with your hands. Those boys could really rack. My father had me on the street. But like any young man, I wanted to be hard too. So I would turn up at all the house parties where the tough boys hung. Shit, they knew I wasn't one of them. Them hard cases would come up to me and say, go home, schoolboy, you don't belong here. Didn't realize at the time what they were doing for me. As rough as that neighborhood could be, we had us a community. Nobody, no victim who didn't matter. And now all we got is bodies and predatory motherfuckers like you. And out where that girl fell, I saw kids acting like Omar, calling you by name, glorifying your ass. Makes me sick, motherfucker, how far we done fell.
I love how you've just described that. That sums up Michael K. What often what's so good about Michael K. Williams is that ambiguity because he kind of he doesn't give you everything from a character, right? And he kind of hints at so much more underneath. Right, and in, in everything I've ever seen him, it, it's like he himself has injected history and depth into somebody. What by saying nothing, <laughs> literally in that in that scene, it's like says next to nothing. Well, let's so uh, let's talk briefly about Omar as a character, because I mean, for me, and I think many of the people, one of the such an, an amazing character trait was that he was an openly gay character in the show. He had he had his code, which is simple and true. He didn't swear, um, and alongside, I guess, Keir McGregor as well, being an openly gay character as well. The wire for me is like pivotal. It must be pivotal for many people just to see gay people in TV just being normal. Kima had her problems with with her partner, not because she's a lesbian, but just because she's having problems with the partner, and that's how it was. Michael Gay Williams just happened to be a gay sticker artist and people knew he was gay some of the you know some of the stringer bell and those guys took the piss out of him sometimes but other than that it was just really it was like oh okay fine he's gay that's and rarely did you see that before beforehand and for me that's that's the kind of place we need to get to with a lot of lgbt representation in tv and film and media it's just like people lgbt community just being normal people and being able to be stick-up artists being able to cheat on their partners that kind of thing is beautiful and MK William, MKW played it so beautifully in that respect as well. Yeah, because oh, it was ne- it was never a plot point. Right, no. that's what you mean. Like, because TV of that era would have, or movies, it would have been. He would have been, had ribbons yeah. in his hair, <laughs> dancing, <laughs> dancing down the street. Oh, yeah. I was watching uh, an interview earlier, Kobe, uh, and uh, the interviewer asked Michael K. Williams about his kind of affinity for the LGBT community, and he was kind of saying he was a bit of a, he was just different when he was growing up. Um, so he wasn't kind of. He wasn't kind of in gangs. He was taught about the streets by his best friend, and his best friend was a his best friend was a lesbian. And, he, and kind of part of that life was he would go to like lots of gay clubs, and he was never like weird Mike or like you know soft Mike. He was just Mike there, and yeah. so he kind of learned to accept himself. And then when you watch The Wire, you see like Omar so comfortable in his own skin, like he's so kind of honest and accepting of who who he is, and I like, kind of. Kind of after seeing the interview, I could just, you could just see that's what Michael brought to Omar, and that's kind of what we. It's nice. kind of part of what we all love about him. Um, yeah. So I kind of yeah, just thought it's a really telling story and uh, one worth sharing. One of the things I was thinking about about that is so like you know I think once you you know straight away in the Y and they go here's this fucking badass character, fucking crazy Robin Hood out on his own, dude. Oh, and guess what? He's gay. Right, you get over like the shock you straight away. So, right, you got over that. Right, we can do whatever we want with this character now. We we can just do the most fantastical thing because they play with him so much. They put him in as a sort of western in like stick ups. They put him in a fish out of water comedy when he's in court. You know, which, which yeah. we'll talk about as well. And they or, put or him, when he's in with the police. That's the, the yeah. police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they put him in. You know, they can, they can put, put him, him in a granny so, outfit. Put him in a granny. Like put him in like a heist <laughs> thing. Yeah, like a granny. Like a like. That a, was too far from me. <laughs> but that's. I think like you go. You got over that, right? Fucking here, we can just play now with this guy, and and yeah, I just, just an awesome character in it. Awesome. I think we should maybe finish on the court scene on a bit, of, a bit of levity. Um, who wants to go? Who wants to go first? Out? Who didn't pick the court scene? 
Tom, I, like, I think you should. I think I love. Should I pick I, another I, scene? No, you pick got, your scene. The one where you, the, where you end up with the um, it's the, it's one of the Omar coming scenes. Well, we talked about how like you know you can do whatever with Omar. So this is a str- straight up scene out of a western. It's one of the classic Omar coming scenes, and it's in I think it's from from season one, and yeah. it's the one where and it's the great the, the way it's constructed is brilliant because you've got the parallels. So Omar's drawing in the dirt the map of the town. And making these making these plans for this for this stick up this ingenious stick up which involves walking down one way and walking down, and two people walking the other way. But when Omar actually does the stick up, it's like he just you hear you see hear people in the town sort of saying Omar's coming up, and everyone scatters. It's the classic, you know, someone riding into town. And, but what I love about it, so everyone's scattering. You've got the whistle as well, which is so western. He's mm-hmm. whistling the classic Ooh. theme. Favorite things about the scene though. I can't remember who the fat guy is who gets up and runs, but he drops his portable CD player. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, if, and it smashes. Like, is the sort of one you got free with a bank account when you were a student? Yeah, that's what in the UK, guys, we got a free bank account. <laughs> where you got you got a free you got a free CD with a bank account when you became a student. Um, and I had one of those. And if I dropped mine, I would have been absolutely mortified. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I bet you had. I bet you had the bass boost on and everything. <laughs> and um, anyway, anyway they, they walk down this alley. They run down this alleyway, and Omar's other two crew members are coming the other way. And that's it. And then, it, and then there's a, there's a there's a really weird line at the end of it. And I didn't understand. I don't know if you guys know what the line's yeah, like. The, the line is the cheese stands alone. And the cheese I stands can, alone. What is that? So okay, so this is some factoids for you guys so I thought so the, the, the tune that he whistles uh, is the farmer in the dell yes we talked about this in season one and someone said no no that's not the farmer in the dell it's the hunting we will go it's the same tune I was like okay I thought it was farmer in the dell because I read it in some book about the wire and then randomly I was reading the, I was reading a nursery rhyme book um, and it had all the lyrics of the farmer in the dell and the last line in the farmer in the dell is the cheese stands alone no, right. no, hunting wheel. Yeah, is yeah. The, the last line in the farm wheel goes. The cheese stands alone. So it is definitely he's he's whistling the farm in the dell song. Not not the hunting we will go. And right. it's just literally he's just see he just literally says that last line of the song. That's the final line. Which is so cool because I used to think it was related to cheese wagstaff, but I was like, this is what cheese I was isn't thinking. in the series yet. But maybe okay, maybe they know cheese wagstaff in the season already, but we haven't met him yet. But yeah, that's that's what it is. Ah. Uh. So that's that was the scene I chat. I just thought it's yeah. you had to have an Omar coming scene. Absolutely, I think I think you're totally right. It's brilliant. Yo, yo, hey yo, check it out. Something ain't right, yo. Watch out, man. Got that fool. It's Yo, yo, son, come on, yo, Omar coming, man. Oh, shit! My favourite scene is the one I chose was, and we talked about in season three, and you probably know what it was because I I, I uh, showed my cards earlier. Um, Omar versus Brother Mizone. Oh, there's not a versus, but it's a confrontation, Mexican standoff 
in an alleyway and it's just some of the best dialogue between two amazing actors um i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna, gonna try and say his lines because there's no there's no justification for it i know we're gonna play the scene in a second but what that leads to directly afterwards uh and obviously spoilers guys is is the death of stringer bell um and the way it's set up the way it's shot the oh it's, it's just absolutely beautiful um i can't think of a thing that puts me on edge more than than that scene sometimes when I, when i think about it and how how it's all put together it's just beautiful nice showpiece you got there walther ppk 380 double action hit on walters like to jump some as will you with one in your elbow that gun ain't got enough firepower to make my joint useless it definitely won't stop me from emptying out half my mag. You might not hit me. This range? And this caliber? Even if I miss, I can't miss. I admire a man with confidence. I don't see no sweat in your brow neither, bro. I suppose we could stand here all night. Suppose we could. Or settle this once and forever. I want to ask you something, brother. One more listening. Well, it wouldn't be The Wire Stripped if we didn't include a couple of burner messages, and this episode is no different. So right now you're going to hear from Russell Moat, who you heard from in Season 3, and first up, Joe Kiley. When I think of Omar's defining moments, there are many pivotal and memorable scenes. But I like to think of his quieter moments. For instance, when he confronts Bubbles in Season 1 and calls him Snitchin' Bulbs, that line conveys so much about the character. Number one, he's the only player to have figured out Bubbles is an informant. Number two, he recognises that they have a common enemy in the Barksdales. And number three, that he can turn this situation to his advantage. Immediately prior to his court appearance, Omar helps a sheriff fill his crossword with Ares, the Greek rather than Roman god of war. This small act tells us he relieves suffering when he can, that his street smarts extend to book smarts, and that he has a keen interest in mythology, not least his own. There was no one in the wire like Omar, but Omar was like a lot of other characters. He was strategic like Stringer, a soldier like Avon, sly like Prop Joe, and could pull a caper like Bubbles. He could verbally spar with Murray Levy, or he could remind Bunk of the path he himself could have walked. Omar defies stereotype and reminds the audience that there is always more than meets the eye. In less capable hands than Michael K. Williams, we might not have experienced the nuance and richness this character deserved. So much respect to the memory of Michael K. Williams and respect to his family, but first respect to those others that gave us depth and reason for hailing The Wire as a show worth something uh, to all of us. DeAndre McCullough, who plays Lamar, passed away on August 1st, 2012. 
and who was the focus of the the, the corner, the book, as well as the uh, show that sets off uh, The Wire. Um, Robert F. Chu, who was Proposition Joe, who passed away on January 17, 2013, who in fact, Michael K. Williams was the first to sort of tweet about his uh, death and sort of let us all know um, that, you know, this particular character and person, um, you know, left us. Um, Reggie Cathay, um, Norman Wilson, who played Norman Wilson, um, passed away on February 9th, 2018. But um, returning to Michael K. Williams to think that Omar was his first major acting role ever is just remarkable. The future was bright from that point on and how he shined for so many of us in a brief short by him from HBO and The Atlantic. Um, he was reflecting on his many characters and the notion of him being typecasted. He truly was an embodiment of someone of a certain type of people from a certain type of place that look a certain type of way, um, both within the United States and under capitalism. And so how else could it be? Um, but it does not mean that um, it is what he only was or what any of us are limited to being. He reflected back through tortured characters, so much rich, richness and uh, perseverance and care. Uh, the aforementioned uh, Omar Devon Little, who was the younger brother of No Heart Anthony on The Wire, Chalky White on Boardwalk Empire, um, Bobby McRae, father of Antron McRae on When They See Us, and most recently Montrose Freeman on Lovecraft Country. And then out of character, he became a host for the first season of Vice's Black Market that, brilliant, that brilliantly highlighted the illegal economies that sustained those who have been discarded by the mainstream legal economy. The shows all benefit from his credibility from the life he did live and the lives he portrayed. How else did he get gun renters and car thieves and abalone fishermen and people addicted to heroin and lean to talk with him and us on camera? Um, but he could also be quietly seen doing work with those who are connected to the carceral system, both inside and outside, those experiencing homelessness and addiction and others uh, through a range of efforts, including his own organization, We Build the Block. So again, truly respect to the memory of Michael K. Williams, rest in film, dance and honesty. I, I actually chose another Bunk and Omar scene. It's the it's when they first kind of meet in series one. Yeah, um, and they've just that, caught Bird. That's the right. That's right. Yeah, and I, I don't know if like the writers kind of always had it in their minds that these two would meet each other, or it's the actors themselves had like a really great rapport. But for whatever reason, these two together just like really works, and it like runs and runs. Um, but I, I just really like this scene because you learn that like Omar's got a code. There are kind of like things that he. He's, he's more than happy to do and they're like there are things that like he just he kind of won't do um and you know there aren't kind of many characters that are as kind of sincere and kind of their how just they are in, in mm. the wire and I, I kind of really respect that about omar and yeah i don't know I, I i just i just really love this scene and also you kind of find out that omar and bunk have this like backstory that they kind of this knew is, each other at school yeah. and he's really impressed that he played lacrosse and it's just like <laughs> it kind of mar- i just i don't know it kind of marks omar out as just like really different to kind of all the people can, that inhabit the the kind of life in in baltimore i think that's that that be just said there kind of talks out how people going to the same school can end up in completely different places 
Um, and obviously when you talk about season four, you, you don't know where all these kids are going to end up in they're going to middle school. Some might be, some will be the new Michael, some will be the new Bunk uh, yeah. potentially out of this. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's all kind of laid out there. Hey man, I know you from somewhere. Yeah. I was in Southwestern before I came to Homicide to work Frederick Road. Nah, I mean back in the day. You go to Edmondson, right? Yeah, he was ahead of me. I remember you was the first brother I ever seen play that sport with a stick. Uh, what's it called? Lacrosse, man. The show. Yeah. <laughs> I was all Metro Attack. Prep school boys used to pee themselves when they see the old bunk coming at them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So look here, homie. Seeing as how you being all charitable with your recollections, what else you got in the way of open murders? Going to Barksdale? Going anywhere. How far back you want me to go? As far as you need. Murder stay murder. Before we get to the to, to the courtroom scene, which is the one that I, 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 as soon as we were talking about this in the WhatsApp group, and somebody said, let's each do a scene, I got in straight away. I was like, courtroom, <laughs> courtroom scene. That's it. Um, but the, you know, talking about season four and the kids, you know, we just... Uh, recently chatted uh, about the uh, that amazing cold open I forget which episode is two or three of season four which is just like a day in the life of Omar you know <laughs> do you remember it's like he, it's yeah. like he gets up wearing his uh, there's so many good moments in that he's, he's wearing, wearing silk robe silk yeah. robe and then can't holster his gun anywhere on the silk robe because it's too heavy and then goes out there's no cereal right so then he's like oh Honey, no. Get some cereal. The honey, yeah, the honey <laughs> Cheerios. It's the wrong one. It's just these, this tiny little, and it's just this. The whole cold open is just him trekking to the to the <laughs> shop to get honey nut Cheerios or whatever, and come back. And you get to experience the world, um, like from Omar's perspective, as everything, like it, as a ghost town emerges yep. around him, like just like vacant. Everyone just scatters. Scattering. And then there's, and there's a lot of comedy in it. They drop the, you know, they, he stops for a cigarette. They drop a bag of drugs next to him. And it's just, this is him realizing his world has got too easy or boring. But I think to segue into the courtroom scene, what's so good about Omar is that, is that like, he's one of the, he is one of the best characters in the wire or possibly on TV ever. Um, but you know, to to Tom's one um, and uh, and both of your ones, the, uh, the uh, Kobe and Obi, they they that th- that's him in like intense moments, mm. bringing gravitas and depth and sincerity. But he also brought comedy really well. You know, it was in the script, but like Omar again calling back to that, or sorry, Michael K. Williams calling back to that community thing, just seemed to have really good natural comedy chops. Um, and I think that courtroom scene is nominally like a, a comedy scene, right? It's, uh, you know, and, and for everyone, as a reminder for everyone, this is season two, right? Yeah. Um, and Bunk is being called to testify, but, you know, this is a follow-up from the scene Obi was talking about where he's testifying against Bird. 
um, and he's being cross-examined and uh, he's wearing the tie that they selected to make him, you know, the, but, but like his normal clothes are just the tie. Like that's, that's, that's Omar taking the piss out of the, the, the system, right? Like it's a, it, it's a fuck you to the system. Like, yeah, I'll wear your tie and nothing else. But the, um, he's so, it, it's played for comedy, but it's actually just like that line, you know, I got the, uh, you got the briefcase, I got the shotgun. Yeah. That is one of the best lines in The Wire. It's one of the, the, the greatest lines in TV history because it, 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 you could distill all of The Wire into that one line, right? This is, it, that, that's everything it's trying to say. It's the, we are all part of the same system, mm. you know? We, we, you and I are, are, are no different. We're, uh, we, all, we all have different, we have different tools, but we're part of the same game, right? And, and they are. And, that, and that's another thing that was so good about Omar as a character, and which Michael K. Williams brought to it, was the intelligence behind him you know, and the insightfulness. In the scene before that, before he goes into court, he's um, casually uh, dropping like um, Ulysses references or Greek mythology, isn't he, with the, with the security guard. Like he used, there, was a, there was just a, a de- there's so much hidden depth to wasn't he, wasn't Omar. He helping, he was helping solve a crossword puzzle as well. They couldn't, someone couldn't tell the difference that, between the Greek and Roman gods. That was it, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, no, no, you're thinking of the Greek one, the Roman one is bloody blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, there was just no, that, so much more to Omar that we didn't like it just hint there were hints of it the, the iceberg thing on screen and I felt like it's the same with Michael K. Williams I feel like there was just so much to that man that we didn't see and sadly we'll you know never get to see so you rob drug dealers this is what you do yes sir you walk the streets of Baltimore with a gun taking what you want when you want it Willing to use violence when your demands aren't met, this is who you are. Why should we believe your testimony then? Why believe anything you say? That's up to y'all, really. You say you aren't here testifying against the defendant because of any deal you made with police. True that. That you're here because you, you, you want to tell the truth about what happened to Mr. Gant in that housing project parking lot. Yep. When, in fact, you are exactly the kind of person who would, if you felt you needed to, shoot a man down on a housing project parking lot and then lie to the police about it, would you not? And look, I ain't never put my gun on no citizen. You are a moral, are you not? You are feeding off the violence and the despair of the drug trade. You're stealing from those who themselves are stealing the lifeblood from our city. You are a parasite who leeches off Just like you, the culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What? I got the shotgun. You got the briefcase. It's on the game, though, right? Well, Dave was talking about the crossword puzzle scene there, and we had a message about that on the burner from Katie McDermott, so let's roll that. Hi, my name is Katie and I'm from Philadelphia, PA, which is only a couple hundred miles away from Baltimore. Uh, My favorite Omar memory is the scene right before uh, he goes on the stand in his famous courtroom scene, which is hilarious. Uh, Make no mistake, and I love that one, but right before he is being guarded or whatever by uh, one of the 
of police officers who is doing a crossword puzzle and cannot get he the clue is uh, the Greek god of war. The police officer has put Mars, and it is Omar who tells him, "No, it's not Mars. It's Ares. Same dude, different names." Um, I just thought it was such a charming little detail uh, and so unexpected too, coming from Omar. Uh, Mr. Williams played everything just perfectly, and um, he will be sorely missed. Thanks. Bye. Right, guys. Um, should we talk about some more key Omar scenes before we before we head off and uh, and well reminisce in solo? Well, I can kick off with one if you want, which was slightly ridiculous, actually, um, and. I suspect I suspect uh, Dave might not be so happy with this one. Um, it's the it's the one where there's a firefight between Omar, Chris Partlow, um, Snoop, and um, I think I think Jamie Hector was there um, as well in in a in a in a, block, in a block of flats, and Omar jumps out the window from the fifth floor and lands, and then you don't see him for like two episodes, um, and it's almost like a superhero thing. It's almost like a Marvel. It's almost like a Fast and Furious thing. So it's super different to everything else in the why. All of, all of our favorite scenes we've talked about are conversations. But this is like a real bona fide bit of like supernatural action. But it's still something that stands out. And it's still like, oh yeah, if, if any character was going to do this in the why, it would have been Omar. Because he had just that thrive, that that will to win, that kind of, that lust for life. Um, it was just kind of magnificent, but also it does err on the, Fast and Furious 10, Fast and Furious 9 uh, levels of silliness. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean, though, isn't it? That's what they do. They can do anything with Omar. Like, <laughs> you get on board with the fact that he's this gay, <laughs> yeah. he's this gay you know, stick-up Robin Hood character at the start, and then, right, fucking just do what, do what you want. I mean, there must have been loads more they could have done. I mean, yeah, we're probably even, we're not even going to mention half of them, I reckon, but no, no. it's just, you know, they could be silly with him, serious with him, just everything, and you buy it. It's great. Now, now I'm just even more sad that we'll never see him in a Fast and the Furious movie, because I think <laughs> he, he would have been amazing. In the he would have been great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any other scenes, guys? I've got a couple. Oh yeah, there was there was a scene I was thinking about this week. It was that it's actually um, in season five after he dies, um, mm. uh, and it's a scene in, in the newspaper with Gus. Uh, for some reason, there's only like four paragraph space left in the newspaper. Um, oh, so yeah. like Gus is given like a choice of whether they mention Omar's death or they mention like a fire in some building, and for some reason they they choose the fire, and it, it really. It kind of it really annoyed me at the time because I, I know I know like the wire is like unsympathetic, but the fact they just kind of like gloss over a really important character's death by with just like there's nothing fire, it just really it really upset me. Um, but kind of thinking about it this week, just kind of it was the complete opposite, like just such an outpouring of love um, yeah. and like appreciation for this character, and it. it and it was an appreciation for the character. And, you know, it wasn't It wasn't for Michael, it was for Omar. People love that character, and I feel like this week he kind of got the obituary and the, the eulogies that he, he really deserved, even if uh, David Simon didn't give it to us in that, in that, that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That, is, that is beautiful, Obi. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's two, there's two scenes I think we, we should talk about, at least in brief. One is what follows the Omar and um own scene where they kill Stringer, and then there's... Obviously, there's Omar's death as well. 
um, and I guess we'll take season three first. But the, I mean, both of those were surprises for me. Both of those in first watching were surprised um, how they how they banded together and killed Stringer Bell. Um, it's still such an amazing scene itself, and probably the only way you could have got Stringer Bell. The two of the smartest cats in the whole of the Eastern Seaboard had to band it together to get this guy into a disused warehouse, run it to the top of a warehouse, um, in the pincer movement. That's the only way you're going to get a string of bell, and that's what that's what it did. And it's yeah, it's still amazing and still shocking and still brilliant to this day. And they were both solo agents living yeah. outside of that kind of apart from everything else. Because I think anyone else, like if Prop Joe had come for Stringer, he'd have seen it a mile off, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's another far-fetched scene, isn't it? Like all the ones at the moment seems to be the ones that have a bit of like magical realism to them or something. They're just a little bit too <laughs> yeah. fantastic, aren't they? That's this is a, the theme of them. They're all absurd. Well, running with your your idea, then Tom, I'm kind of thinking like, wouldn't it like wouldn't it have been great if season six of The Wire they'd just been like, yeah, oh yeah, he was a Highlander the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> and then show that Christopher <laughs> Lambert comes for him, <laughs> starts sword fighting. <laughs> it's just inc- yeah. I just it's just all believable though. But I think the, the magic of the opposite of magical realism there is the is the almost dour way he died. But you know, getting I think it's cigarettes or orange juice or or honey nut Cheerios um, in a in a bodega and shot by uh, Kennard, shot by a little kid um, unexpectedly. And I guess for me that's that's probably the only way Omar could have died as well. If he's jumped out of a of a flat a block of flats and survived. He's taken on Stringer Bell and Brother Mazen and survived. And the only way he has to, he can die is by completely not expecting it, which is some, some kid who previously ran away from him. That that death really hit me hard, not just because um, it was Omar and he was a great character and it was obviously sad to lose it, but because, like, TV deaths always have such, you know, like, the, and the, just the, the one you mentioned, Stringer Bell, it's just like they, they have such pomp and circumstance or, or whatever you know they, they, they're a big deal and they get mm. sort of there's a build up and all that like Omar's death is just so unexpected and so unceremonious and just so pointless that firstly it's shocking but it's just like it just reminds you that Jesus like death is just present or, or for all of us and could happen at any moment and I think mm. that you know that that felt very you know grounded and real as you say um guys i don't yeah i'm not sure i think we, we're running out of time here um kid dudes and everything but for everyone who's listening thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us and if you have any comments to say about um michael k williams and omar um and the things we're doing here please do reach out to us on on social media um or email us producer the wirestripped.com we'd love to hear what you've got to say um We'll be coming out with more episodes soon. Um, one thing we should say, I guess, is that we've started recording season four. Um, the first few episodes we recorded were before Omar passed, uh, before Michael Williams passed. So I think we'll we'll probably make a note to that when we when we start recording again, Dave, just to say, you know, yeah. mark that in, mark that line in the sand. Um, so we previously might have been a bit more callous about stuff related to Omar, but we'll we'll talk about that. Ah. But, <laughs> is, this, is, this a produ- is this a production meeting? <laughs> it is. Sorry. <laughs> This is behind the scenes. This is behind the weeds. <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure uh, talking about Omar, uh, talking about Michael K. Williams, and yeah, it's, it's sad. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in power, as I like to say nowadays. 
You just heard a stripped media production. 